When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast, and welcome to the second part of our Bears Wildcard Week preview as we aim to get you prepared for the most important Chicago Bears game in nearly a decade. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and with it being the playoffs, the energy level is indeed rising, not just on the field, not just in the Bears preparation, but also right here on the show. To help me preview Sunday's matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm joined by my co-host Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. Gentlemen, we've put in hundreds upon hundreds of hours into this podcast, and finally, we get to have our first playoff discussion. Are you guys ready to rumble? Absolutely. Yes. I was surprised <laughs> to hear rumble, so I didn't know how to answer that. <laughs> I told you. I'm raising the stakes here on the podcast this week, guys. I am ready to roll. And real quick, before we jump into things, I just want to let you know, just in case you did meet, miss the Meet the Eagles episode, which you should definitely listen to if you have, our guest, uh, Zach Rosenblatt, he provided some great insight that you'll love gaining. But just in case you missed it, I did notice that our combined uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts did clip 400. So even though here in the States, it only shows like 380 something, worldwide, we're over 420, which I found that uh, via Chartable. So I just want to let you know that we are going to go ahead and do our New Year's giveaway. So at the midway point of our show, I'm going to announce who won the random draw there. So stick around for that. And on that same token, I just want to thank each and every one of our podcast listeners for their continued support. Uh, just on New Year's Day, we eclipsed 2 million all-time downloads. So guys, I mean, that just blows my mind. We have some amazing listeners, don't we? We sure do. Yeah, when I saw that tweet, well, I was like, wow, 2 million. It wasn't too long ago that we had 1 million. Now we're you know over 2 million. That's incredible. Yeah, it took three years to get our first million and then one season to reach our next. So a big shout out to each and every one of you for tuning into our show and helping us out here. And of course, I'm glad that you find our show as entertaining as, and beneficial as you do. But seriously, just thank you all so damn much for making this all possible because it's so much fun to talk Bears football, and we would not be here without you, so thank you again. But guys, let's go ahead and begin our Bears-Eagles game preview because really, I can't wait another second. And I believe since all of the chatter has been about how Nick Foles and that offense is going to just be a tough matchup for the Bears, I think it's best to go ahead and just start with the defense that finished first in takeaways, rushing yards allowed, rushing touchdowns allowed, pass rating allowed, first downs allowed, and that's just to name a few. And with it being the playoffs, I know I'm, for one, excited to see how this unit can perform in a do-or-die situation. And let's go ahead and begin our conversation around Nick Foles. 
since taking over for Carson Wentz in Week 15, he's played very well. Going up against a reigning Super Bowl MVP for the Bears, of course, is going to present its challenges. But the Bears' defense has been able to stop practically everyone not named Brock Osweiler. So, guys, <laughs> I need to know. I know, right? It's, it's true, though. It is very true. But when you guys are preparing for this week and you're checking out the Eagles, have you noticed maybe any trends during your preparations that kind of give you some direction as to what the Bears' defense needs to do in order to stop Nick Foles? And, Nick, I want to go to you first because you guys share a namesake. Yeah, we do share the same name, but Nick Foles, uh, he's the guy when he has his opportunity, comes in and makes the most of it. And what I was noticing just watching the film on the Eagles this week and seeing what they do offensively, especially with Nick Foles in the game, a lot of short passes. And they're number nine, actually, overall in the NFL this regular season with the most five yards or less throws. So number nine with 313 attempts. And that's just evident throughout most of their games. A lot of a lot of passes that are below 10 yards. So the big thing with the Bears defense, they got to react quickly and they'll definitely throw a lot of those pick routes. So they're going to make these defenders really think and react effectively. And the Bears have any of those missed tackles that they had issues with in the regular season. That's going to really play evident in this game against the Eagles that love to utilize that short passing game. So that was just some of the things I noticed that the ball is going to get out quickly, especially with the Bears coming in with, I think, the third most sacks with 50 tied with a couple of teams. So the Eagles are going to get the ball out quickly and they're going to be short yardage situations and mostly looking at those tight ends that the Eagles love to utilize. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of tight ends. It's going to be a lot of running backs in the flats too on swing routes. It's something that I've noticed. And you talked about how they're up there in the rankings in terms of passes five yards or less. And on top of that, I want to say uh, since Nick Foles took over in week, well, not since he took over in week 15, I'm going back to week 13. So this does have a little bit of Carson Wentz in it as well. But when they throw deep, it's been a rarity. Only 7.1% of his throws um, have been for deep balls, which is I think the second lowest of all QBs since week 13. So that is again with Foles. I do apologize. I have some new stats here from a website that reached out like, hey, we have some interesting playoff stats. You want to check them out? I was like, heck yeah, what? That was only an hour before the show. I interjected a few here, uh, so I'll make sure not to stumble through the next one. But Brandon, I want to go over to you. Nick made a really good point with all these shorter passes and the Bears' ability to lock them down, limit yards after the catch. I believe is going to be very crucial, especially with these tight ends. But outside of all this, do you have anything else about Nick Foles that we should know heading into this game? Uh, he's like Nick said, he seizes the most of the moment, but one thing too, just without him and, you know, throughout his entirety of his career, he's been inconsistent uh, and coming to soldier field where I think that's going to, well, it's obviously going to play more in the bears favor with a, a home field crowd advantage. It's not necessarily going to be too cold. So he's not going to have to worry about that, but I think he's just going to have a lot of noise and outside factors to deal with that could lead to him. We see some of that more inconsistency that he's shown in the past. So I think the bears have a great advantage here playing at home in, in round one in the wild card against the Eagles. And in terms of limiting the yak, something that he does well, Foles does, is he has a good touch ball where he can lead some of these guys down the field. So that's one way the Bears are going to be challenged. So for them to have some sticky coverage here and be able to be in the proximity of the receiver to close in in a hurry, to me, is going to be huge. And I also noticed that he does have a tendency to sail some balls when he's throwing nine plus yards down the field. So if Eddie Jackson, who did return to practice today on a limited basis, is back, uh, maybe if he sails one, he's in the right position. He couldn't come away. Those some could be some opportunities for some interceptions. Moving on over to the targets here through the year, because over the last three games in which Foles has played, he spread the ball over pretty well. And although he does target Zach Ertz the most, which a hey, who wouldn't want to do that, nine different Eagles have more than one reception. 
And I think we can all agree that the Bears have the talent on defense to really limit any offense despite the number of weapons due to that fierce pass rush, tight coverage, and the ability to limit yards after the catch. But I'm curious here, guys, which of these matchups do you find the most intriguing? And I have a hunch. Is it going to be that one-on-one matchup between former Bear Alshon Jeffrey and, say, like a Kyle Fuller? Nick? You know what? I'm actually not too concerned about Alshon Jeffrey. He's been talking a lot of smack this week, too. He says he hates Chicago. I tweeted out earlier that he actually had a quote where he said he loved the city of Chicago. So Alshon Jeffrey's just hyping himself up to get shut down later on Sunday. But the guy that I'm really most worried about is the guy that you actually mentioned earlier, Zach Ertz, just because of when you think of Doug Peterson, this Eagles offense, and just seeing the production from Ertz, 116 receptions, 1,163 yards. He's a very productive tight end, very good at what he does, and that's just getting open. And when Nick Foles, his first target is maybe covered up, he's going to look to that security blanket, and that is Zach Ertz. And what the Eagles like to do is just put him in a bunch of different formations, whether it's just trips to one side have, or just having uh, Zach Ertz alone on the other side. They'll want to give him the ball because he knows he's uh, – Nick Foles knows that Zach Ertz is usually going to win that one-on-one matchup. And just going back and watching the tape, I didn't watch the tape last week against the Redskins because that was just a crap game from the Redskins, and the Eagles just blew them out in all facets of the game. But go back to that Houston Texans game, a a really good defense, you know, something that maybe can replicate some of what the Bears can do. But what they did with Zach Ertz, they lined him in trips up formation in the red zone and had a decoy. They had the other uh, tight end. I can't pronounce his last name. He just is a decoy. Zach Ertz runs a nice little skinny post wide open. It's an easy touchdown for Zach Kurtz. So they're going to put him in a lot of formations that are put in favorable matchups. A lot of what Matt Nagy, you know, does on the, the, the other, the offensive side of the ball. So it's going to be really interesting how Vic Fangio schemes against a guy like Doug Pearson, who has a similar offensive mind with Matt Nagy on his side and his team. And when you're looking at some trends here, too, when it comes to Ertz, he really makes his living over the middle of the field, which is going to be a big area of focus. Over 70 of his catches this season have been there. Uh, Quarterbacks have been very effective when he gets behind linebackers. That's when the pass rating goes up over 100. So for the Bears linebackers, Andrew Bath and Roquan Smith to kind of maintain their proper depth is going to be a big key this week. But something I learned from our guests, and it kind of got confirmed after I was watching some film this week, is that the Eagles love to utilize two tight end sets. And I'm curious, Nick, to your uh, thoughts on that because uh, with a two tight end set, something I haven't seen a lot of teams do against the Bears. They usually try to put them in nickel, and that's what most of the NFL does nowadays. But uh, their backup tight end, uh, Dallas Goddard, he averages over 40 snaps per game over the last three uh, games of the season. So I'm curious, how do you think the Bears stack up to um, an offense that's going to deploy two tight ends? You know, I like this matchup because we have great inside linebackers that know how to cover. So having a Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan really plays to the, I think the bears advantage when you have these two tight end sets, because you really don't want your nickelbacks on two tight ends that are oversized and just a lot bigger than these smaller nickel corners. So I really like that matchup because we have the favorable um, inside linebackers that have that coverage ability first, as opposed to, you know, throwing a nickel guy who's a little bit outmatched there. So I think that's going to be one, a very crucial matchup for whichever side of the ball ends up winning the Eagles offense, the Bears defense. But I do like the Bears inside linebackers being able to cover that. And obviously safeties will come down as well. So Adrian Amos and like you said, well, A. Jackson did practice today. He was limited, but he practiced. So I do like those matchups. So it's going to be interesting because you have some really good players on that side of the ball for the Philadelphia Eagles. but also have some great players for the Bears as well. Yeah, that backup tight end Goddard, um, over the, since Foles has taken over, he's a perfect 8 of 8 when targeting him. Uh, five of those eight catches have gone for first downs. And on top of that, for the season, both tight ends have counted for 50% of the Eagles' red zone receiving touchdowns on the year, 9 of 18. But Brandon, I want to go over to you. What matchup are you paying attention to? 
Well, I want to add to the Zach Ertz discussion because he was one that I was consistently finding interesting trends and stats for. Like, for example, the Eagles are 2-5 and five in games where he has nine or more receptions. So maybe we want the ball in his hands because they lose when he has the ball nine or more times uh, in a game. And those two wins were uh, a two-point victory over the Texans and a 15-point win over the Redskins back in Week 13. So those are kind of things that I'm taking, you know, that kind of tells me that they're going to look for him on these dump-down shorter routes like you guys were talking about earlier. Uh, but in addition to all these these shorter routes, a guy that can really excel at that, especially the yards after the catch, is Golden Tate. And he's there on the team uh, in receiving yards with 795. Not entirely sure if that's all with the Eagles since he started the year with the Lions. But regardless, I, so. I didn't think so either. But regardless, he still has one receiving touchdown since he arrived in Philly. So he's not a huge touchdown threat. Uh, but he's one of those quicker guys uh, like a Taylor Gabriel or an Anthony Miller even, uh, just to kind of put in comparison-ish purposes uh, to what the Bears have, the guy that can run a fast underneath route and then be able to get a lot of yards after the catch because he's able to outrun his guys. Uh, so uh, I'm interested to see what Sherrick McManus can do out of the slot against Golden Tate. And also, too, when you look at Alshon, he plays some in the slot as well. So that in, uh, matchup would be interesting because when they put him in the slot, uh, he'll run these these out routes uh, that I've noticed seem to be the, the bigger plays uh, that you see on the highlight reels. When he lines up in the slot and runs a 10-yard or so out route, able to get these first downs. So th- those are uh, matchups that I'm interested in seeing in uh, it's mostly primarily in the slot because we don't have uh, Bryce Gallian. And I'm not worried about Sherrick McManus. Uh, but he's going to play a bigger role in this one. He's going to have some some bigger matchups to, to look forward to. Yeah, Golden Tate, like you said, he has a great ability of getting yards after the catch. He actually has the most broken tackles of any wide receiver this year. So wrapping him up is going to be a huge, crucial key. And like you said, too, they like to throw Alshon Jeffrey in the slot. And Chip Manis, he's been doing really great since uh, taking over for Bryce Callahan, only having a pass rating in like the, in the 50s, which is incredible. But going up against a bigger body Alshon Jeffrey is surely going to be a test, one that I think he's going to be up for. But it's going to be a mismatch that I believe that the Eagles are going to try to exploit. But hopefully... Uh, with the McManus's coverage ability that we've seen since he took over for Callahan, he should be in pretty good hands here. I'm curious, though, Nick, real quick about Alshon. Whenever he's lined up against an outside guy like an Amukamara or an Kyle Fuller, I think, if if I remember correctly here, the one that would worry me the most would be going up against Prince because Kyle Fuller has been doing pretty damn good on his side of the ball, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think it's how they both kind of approach their their defensive back responsibilities. Kyle Fuller's going to play a lot far further off, and he's going to read the quarterback's eyes. As opposed to Prince, he's going up against a physical receiver in an Alshon Jeffrey. And Alshon Jeffrey, even though he plays for the other team, he's a good receiver. He can win those one-on-one matches. He definitely did it in Chicago, and he's been doing it in Philadelphia for you know this year and last year. So that's the thing. When Prince, this last game, he was beat on a couple of coverages downfield or pass interference calls. Little iffy, like we, we talked about in that post game show, but, but Prince needs to be sound in his uh, fundamentals. But th- the difference is, A. Jackson's going to be back there. Right. So he knows he could be a little bit more aggressive at the line of scrimmage because you have that ball hawking safety who's just going to come down and hopefully make the play. So I think those two can maybe cancel each other out in the physicality between how they both play each position. But yes, I would definitely be a little bit more concerned with how Prince plays as opposed to Kyle Fuller, because again, he's reading Nick Foles eyes. If it's a one misstep, one overthrow, it's going to be picked off. And real quick too, I just want to let our listeners know, don't sleep on a Nelson Aguilar. He's averaging nearly 15 yards per catch since Foles took over and has over half of Foles of touchdowns uh, with three touchdown receptions since Foles took over. So just keep in mind that. And as well, we talked about how they 
use that short game right into the flat and those swing routes. So look for their running backs. They use three different running backs at any given time. Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, Darren Sproles. They combined for 21 catches and nearly 200 receiving yards over the last three weeks. And they also, on the year, combined for an average of 9.2 yards after the catch, which is, I believe, the most, or if not one of the most in the NFL from the running back position. So look for that. Um, so if the Bears' pass rush is coming in hot, I would definitely look for Foles to really dump it off in the flats rather quickly. Do you guys have any final thoughts about any of the matchups across the board that we have here for the Bears' uh, secondary versus any of these targets that the Eagles can deploy? Wrapping up is going to be the the big thing that I'm really looking for. It's not just you know matchup on matchup. It's we've seen the Bears struggle to wrap up in these games where quarterbacks really dink and dunk. So that's got to be a huge point of emphasis uh, for Vic Fangio's squad in this one. They have to be able to wrap up, and I think that plays a big hand to, to Adrian Amos. Uh, he's got to be able to because he was the one that I think of um, that wrapped up or struggled to wrap up in Miami when he went down there. They couldn't tackle anyone within five yards, unfortunately. Uh, but he did a very good job of knocking the lights out of Stephon Diggs uh, at the end of the game there. So hopefully he continues to build off that momentum as he's a guy that I'm watching for uh, specifically with that issue. All right, so I already hinted at this a few moments ago, but again, they do use three different running backs. I want to go ahead and look to them on the ground. And on top of that, none of them individually are really going to blow you away. And even collectively, they aren't really asked to carry the load. Over the final three weeks of the season, they ranked 20th in yards gained on the ground per game at 99. And of course, the Bears, they possess the best run defense in the NFL. And there's been more than a handful of times this season in which we've discussed just how darn impressive that they are in this regard. So, Nick, I want to go to you. Do any of these backs worry you more than the others? And do you have any keys to limiting the Eagles on the ground? So not running the football, I'm not really too worried about any of these guys. The the Eagles finished 28th in the league in rushing yards with 1,570. So they, they really weren't a very effective running uh, team, but it's in the passing game where you can get these speedier backs. Like, like you said, uh, there's a small wood and also Darren Sproles and Darren Sproles really hurt the Texans um, in that game in week 16, where it's an out and up where one of the inside linebackers has to pick them up and they just fail to, they're just not fast enough for they recognize it late. So that's where these inside linebackers, Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith really need to be on top of their game. When you really look at how the offense for the Eagles, works they love to target those inside linebackers so it's a lot of responsibilities that Vic Fangio puts on them but they're really going to be tested in this game so watching what maybe Darren Sproles does outside of the backfield on these little swing routes that you talked about earlier Will that's going to be the biggest thing on how to approach uh, trying to defend these Eagles running backs and that's why Smallwood and Darren Sproles are the guys that I'm really going to be looking forward to seeing how these inside linebackers for the Bears can really cover them and be able to mitigate the damage that they do out um, in the backfield Right. And on top of that, too, something I noticed is that they use a lot of misdirection whenever they want to do some of these handoffs. So for the Bears up front to remain, their gap integrity is going to be key. And on top of that, the Eagles, as we know, utilize that RPO. So how well the Bears can kind of uh, keep in their uh, assignments during those is going to be another crucial aspect and element that's going to dictate really success or failure on defense on any given down. Brandon, how about you? Any thoughts against the, you know, the Eagles here on the ground? Yeah, but before I get to that, uh, you mentioned the, the misdirection. One thing I noticed, too, that the Eagles do a lot, similar to what the Bears do, is they just use a lot of motion, uh, try and get guys to move around. I think the popular term lately has been window dressing, trying to get guys to look at different things to where the ball is going to go. So that's something else that Vic Fangio has to, to keep in mind. But regarding the running game, uh, Darren Sproles is the one guy that scares me, especially because he's been getting more time since he's come back from his injury. He's just a slippery small guy, similar to Tariq Cohen, the, the big-time playmaker in a small body. Uh, but I wanted to touch on Josh Adams a little bit uh, just because I didn't think that he's going to be a guy that we were really going to touch on. If you were to take Jordan Howard, make a cookie cutter out of him, 
then you get Josh Adams because they're literally the same player. I think he's an inch taller, but they have the same weight. So he's the between the tackle guy, uh, the change of pace, I guess, because the other two, uh, Smallwood and Sproles, are a little faster. Uh, so th- this isn't a guy that necessarily I'm worried about because they don't run the ball very well you know, as a whole. Uh, but he does lead the team with 511 rushing yards this year. Uh, so just something to, to keep in mind is he's going to be more of the between the tackles guy, but the offensive line really struggles to win the point of attack, especially in the run game. Uh, so I look for uh, the Bears to really take advantage of any runs that get try and squeeze between the tackles. Now let's use that as a perfect segue to kind of look at those battles in the trenches here. The Bears ended the regular season averaging over three sacks per game with the majority of those sacks happening at Soldier Field. Philadelphia's offensive line does a really good job at protecting the quarterback. They've given up the ninth fewest sacks since Nick Foles took over, despite refacing respectable pass rushes from the teams like Houston and the LA Rams, who have over 40 apiece this year. So Brandon, I have to kick it right back to you, Mr. Trenches. What are some of these make or break battles that are gonna that you're paying attention to for the Bears defensive front? I'm really paying attention to the left side of the line in general. And that's Jason Peters, Isaac Sumalo. I assume that's how you pronounce his last name. And then Jason Kelsey, the center, because they all showed up on the injury report uh, this week. They all practice, but regardless, that shows, you know, that tells me that they're a little gimpy, a little bit banged up. And that offensive line has been uh, for a good majority of the year. That's why they gave up 40 sacks on the year. That's why the running games really struggled to take off. So I'm really paying attention to what uh, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, uh, Leonard Floyd, and Cleo Mack, whatever outside linebackers up on the left side, if they can really take advantage of a banged-up left side of that offensive line for the Eagles because uh, it's similar to what the Vikings had. They were struggling on the interior part of the line, and Eddie Goldman had the first sack, and then Akeem Hicks followed with a sack after that. So if they can attack the middle of that offensive line, similar to what they did against Minnesota, especially in the one-on-one battles, I think that there's going to be a lot of havoc uh, going Nick Foles' way as well as for the running game. It's not going to get very far. Yeah, Akeem Hicks, that matchup with him going up against Brandon Brooks. Brooks, just last week, he allowed his first sack since 2016. And I mean, Akeem Hicks is a, you know, he's a monster, he's a baller, but that's a tough matchup even for him. Uh, So I'm curious to see what kind of energy he brings. I know it's going to be up there. So on top of that, even if he can't get his sack numbers, I'm still looking for Hicks to find a way to generate some pressures, get some run stops against Brooks, who has a really good knack of keeping his quarterback clean. So that's a tough matchup. That's actually like one of those premier matchups against you know elite versus elite. If you're looking for that, watch Akeem Hicks versus Brandon Brooks this week. But how about you, Nick? Any matchups you're paying attention to? Look, the matchup that I think can really dictate this game, especially Actually, if the Bears can win this one, is it's going to be uh, Lane Johnson versus Khalil Mack. And Khalil Mack's going to go on both sides. He's going to also go against Peters. But uh, I think it was last year, there's been a couple of uh, people for Philadelphia just kind of putting out videos of what the Eagles were able to do against Khalil Mack on the Raiders. They didn't get a sack. wasn't very effective. But again, that's on the Raiders. And then you're going against, and now this is a Bears defense that's had playmakers. So although that the, the Raiders or the Eagles are able to you know, block Mac effectively with Lane Johnson one-on-one. Um, this is a completely different football team now. So I think if Cleo Mack can definitely win at least some some opportunities against Lane Johnson. That's going to be huge for the Bears. But I expect for Vic Fangio to really take advantage of the opposite side, putting Cleo Mack on uh, Peters and just letting him go to work. Because Peters, although he's had success in the league, he has not been the same player this season as he was, you know, years prior. So I think you'll see Cleo Mack on that side. But if Khalil Mack's able to win against Johnson, who, like I said, didn't have as much success last year when he was with the Raiders, then I think that's going to play dividends for the Bears defense, really uh, having success as a whole if he's able to win that one-on-one matchup. And look, 
Khalil Mack is he's tough to guard, and I know Johnson had that success, but this is a different season, and I know the Bears are going to be ready coming out at Soldier Field with that crowd behind him. Mack should win those one-on-one matchups at times. Now, the difference is between Khalil Mack against the Eagles last year, Khalil Mack versus the Eagles this year, is a supporting cast. Last year, all the Eagles had to worry about was Khalil Mack, but now they have to focus on Mack, Leonard Floyd, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, you know, uh, Nichols, Roy Robson-Harris, John Bullard. We can keep going. And that's actually my big point I wanted to make here, too, because I love the depth of this unit. Everyone from Mack to even one of these numbers is called an Isaiah Irving can find a way to get into the backfield and flash, uh, step in in some crucial situations. You know, and honestly, to have a team that can do that and is that deep, it's huge. Not just one or two guys that this team has to worry about. It's a very strong unit from the top to the bottom with some very elite talent with Khalil Mack on top. So for me... Uh, there are a few matchups like you guys kind of pointed to, but the Bears as a unit collectively should be able to stay fresh and keep uh, the, you know, the pressure going throughout this game. And I think I saw during the Houston game when I was watching that, uh, Nick Foles at his own five uh, getting some pressure right off of Lane Johnson's side actually fumbled with Clowney coming in there and lost that ball. So he's prone to making some of those mistakes. He's prone to uh, coughing up the football when contacted. So for the Bears to go ahead and someone like a Cleo Mack off that edge or even a Leonard Floyd would be uh, crucial. And on top of that, uh, Nick Foles has proven that he could end up giving you the ball back if you can get to him. So for me, uh, the edge, I mean, of course, is going to be big, but even the interior, too, with Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, um, and other guys like Bullard, Robertson Harris, Nichols, all of it, all across the board, the Bears uh, should be deep enough and healthy enough to go ahead and make their impact all game long. Now, I want ahead, I want to go ahead and get talk about some third down play just for a moment, and usually I just keep it for a stat, but I do think this is worth a little bit of discussion because it's going to be a big-time battle between two great teams on opposite ends of the spectrum. The Bears, as we know, they've been great at getting off the field this year. They're in fourth on third down percentage, only allowing opponents to convert on roughly one-third of their third downs, and the Eagles have the fourth-best third down mark on offense since Foles took over. So, Nick, I'm curious to your thoughts on this money down and your confidence in the Bears' ability to continue as they have uh, been able to get off the field. You know, to be completely honest, just watching the, the film on the Eagles, like I said, we, we talked about it. It's a lot of these short passes. I think the Bears have gotten so much better you know, from the beginning of the year, dealing with this short passing, quick passing game, as opposed to where they're at now that I'm not as concerned about it. I'm, I thought I was, I would see more from this Eagles offense, but it was just these short passes to where even like on the third down where they've had some success and the bears have not given teams, uh, you know, this advantage on it. I'm, I'm confident in what the bears are doing and what Vic Fangio is doing, especially on that money down, like you said. So if they're if the Eagles are just going to utilize this short passing game, that's not going to work on the Bears. It's not. You have to diversify some things, throw some deep balls, which they don't do very much of, or this defense is going to cheat up and just react a little bit quicker to, you know, these short passing games and make that secure tackle. So I'm not too concerned about that. You know, if the Bears can't do that, they won't win this football game. But I'm confident that this defense is going to play fast. They're going to, you know, come up on these short passes, just wrap up, make the tackle, and, you know, force a punt. So I'm not too concerned about it. How about you, B? Anything else you want to add there? I think winning on first and second down almost becomes just as more important than winning on third down because if you can force them into those third, medium, third, and long situations, that forces them to have to throw the ball a little bit deeper. Uh, so I, I I don't worry so much about the third down as long as they can win on first and second, which I'm I'm totally you know okay with because the same reason for Nick. If they're just going to keep doing these short dink and dunk passes, uh, they'll cheat up and they'll be able to get the secure tackle right away. And they, like you said, they've done a much better job of that. So I... I don't worry so much, but winning on first and second down, especially early in the game, I think is going to be very, very important for how this money down plays out. 
You know what? Since we're talking about downs, though, we also got to mention fourth down, especially with the Eagles and Doug Peterson. They've ran, they had 23 attempts, which was second most in the NFL, and they converted that 60.9%, which was 10% or 10th best in the NFL. So that's the one down that I'm actually concerned about because go back to that Houston game, week 16, the very first offensive drive of the game for the Eagles. The Eagles actually went for it on fourth down, end up getting a touchdown on that drive. So this is where it can really change momentum in a game if the offense is able to just keep sustaining drives, wear out this defense defense and just able to you know ultimately put points up on the board that's where it can be a little concerning so you know Doug Pearson's very aggressive if he's in a position where he likes he's going to go for it on fourth down the Bears got to be able to get off the field so that's where I think it's not even about third down now that you got to think about it's about this fourth down that you know both Nagy and Doug Pearson will definitely utilize to their advantage right now with the playoffs too he's going to be even a little bit more aggressive so for the bears to find a way to stall those drives on their side of the 50 it's going to be huge because i'm sure the chances of them going for it on their own end is going to be a little bit less than if they actually reach midfield or even pass it so definitely good stuff there nick to remind us of the eagles aggressive mentality something that we've gotten a little bit used to here in chicago seeing it ourselves but we need to remember that the offense we're going up against is going to deploy the same kind of mindset and i want to look at the red zone real quick because again uh the bears have been on fire down there over the last month of the season i believe they only given up two red zone touchdowns since that giants game and both of those kind of came with a big lead later in the game and the eagles on the other hand they have hovered around 60 percent uh scoring touchdowns on the year in the red zone which is about middle of the pack so if the bears can continue that stout red zone defense force Philadelphia to say settle for field goals, it's going to go a long way. I don't think any of us here want to shoot out. Um, so if the Eagles were able to easily score in the red zone, uh, to me, that's going to be a disappointment because the Bears have proven to be a very strong red zone defense. But Brandon, how about you? Anything else in your notes about the Bears defense, Eagles offense that we need to bring up or discuss? Uh, I think forcing turnovers is going to be a big thing because I have that stat somewhere on here. Uh, yeah, the Eagles have fumbled 29 times this season. They've thrown 11 interceptions. So they're... Uh, especially when you watch Alshon, uh, he carries the ball loose when he's out there by himself. So if they can sneak up on him and kind of punch it out of him a little bit, I think that'd be kind of cool to be able to, to force those, those turnovers that they've fumbled 29 times uh, this season. I think that that's a, a huge advantage that the Bears can take advantage if they can uh, get the gang tackling and start ripping the ball out instead of just tackling them right away. But I'd rather get them down rather than get the turnover. But regardless, if the opportunity is there, be aggressive, take advantage of it. All 11 to the football. How about you, Nick? Uh, like we said earlier in the show that the Eagles like to use two tight end sets, but I was just watching how these Eagles uh, tight ends actually block, not the best blockers. They're better pass catchers than they are blockers. So I think a big thing for the bears to just take away this Eagles rushing attack, which is, which isn't very good at first is definitely being able to win those one-on-one matchups. They're putting Dallas Goddard on uh, Jadavion Clowney and that you, uh, you would imagine how that ended up. So if they're going to do that with Leonard Floyd and Cleo Mack, by all means, these outside linebackers better just take advantage of that and take advantage of these tight ends that they're definitely going to see on a play-to-play basis. So uh, they're going to be used a lot, but take advantage of them when they're run blocking because they're not very good at it. All right, and just one last thing on my end. The Eagles are undefeated over their last two seasons when having the lead after the first quarter, so no pressure on the defense to keep them (laughs) off the board. All right, guys, so for the first time ever, it's time to determine who has the edge in a playoff matchup. I'm very excited to get to this. So, Brandon, you're up first. Bears pass rush versus the Eagles pass protection. Do we want to have the edge or are we doing X-Factors first? I'm doing edge first. Okay. I just want to make sure. So which one did I have? Sorry. Bears pass rush, Eagles pass pro. Okay. Yeah, I'm giving this one to uh, the Bears pass rush because the Eagles – 
Uh, I mean, they've given up 40 sacks on the year. And the left side, like I said, is looking a little gimpy. And the Bears have much more talented pass rushers, and they've got more schemes to be able to get to Nick Foles than the Eagles have and I think are ready for. Uh, regardless, the Eagles' offensive line is still good. I'm not trying to throw shade that way, but I think that the Bears' uh, talent, as far as the pass uh, rush goes, is much greater than I think what the Eagles have, especially with a banged-up left side. I think Nick Foles is going to get blindsided once or twice in this one. All right, and just real quick, I did change the order to keep you on your toes and way to, way to go to be cognizant enough to catch that. Nick, I want to go to you now. Bears secondary versus the Eagles pass attack. You know, other than the tight ends, I'm not too worried. And obviously throw Alshon Jeffrey in there, but I like the Bears secondary, especially getting back in Eddie Jackson. Look, he said that he uh, he's going to play this game, which I'm – which is a huge upgrade. No, no offense to Deion Bush, but he's not the playmaker that Eddie Jackson is. Then you have Kyle Fuller's playing his uh, lights out. Prince of Mukamara, I think, is going to have a bounce back game. And Sherrick McManus, too, you know, surprisingly, has been playing very well in Bryce Callahan's spot. I like what the Bears do in that back end of the defense. And I think they're going to be able to hold these tight ends to, you know, not as much. Look what they did to George Kittle in the 49ers, who was being a great, very productive tight end for the 49ers. And Kyle Same Rudolph. And Kyle Rudolph. So they've had, they've played some good tight ends. And they've done some pretty good things against them. So I think the Bears secondary is going to be a, do a good job against, you know, Alshon Jeffrey and then the tight ends that the Eagles have. All right, which leaves me with the Bears run defense and the Eagles ground game. And like I said last week, and I could have said it the week before, and I probably said it the week before that, there's just no way you go against the Bears run defense until proven otherwise. They've been able to shut down everyone that's come their way. And even though the Eagles use three different running backs, I think that's just more proof that they don't have, quote unquote, one guy who can take over. So for me, the Bears are going to be able to limit these lesser talented backs collectively all game long. So for me, the Bears, especially on the ground. So for me, the Bears run defense has the edge here. So with that, Brandon, it is time for the X factors. (laughs) And I know you're a little jumpy here. So I'm going to go ahead and let you begin. Who's going to be your X factor on defense? I'm giving it to Danny Trevathan. Uh, I mean, the opposing offense, you know, their, their scheme isn't foreign to him. We, you know, he has seen the Bears offense, which is extremely similar uh, to the Eagles offense and it's also kind of similar to Andy Reid's offense which is kind of weird but uh, regardless and there's a lot of good similarities that, that Danny Trevathan has seen in practice he's seen before so he knows what to expect and it's important for him to get these guys lined up and set the tone early uh, I mean go out there and punch them in the mouth early on like you said get them off the scoreboard and I think a lot of that comes from the guy who's relaying the plays let them know that they're in Soldier Field and that it's not going to come easy so Danny Trevathan is going to be my x-factor and with him having some playoff experience, the Bears are going to definitely want to rally around him, his passion, the energy he brings. So yep. I definitely like that choice as an X factor. How about you, Nick? You know, I'm going to go to his counterpart, and Roquan Smith is being the X factor for this one. We talked about it. The Eagles like to run a lot of motion. They love to run pick plays. They love to run, you know, uh, wheel routes out of the backfield from the running back. So these inside linebackers are going to be tested. And Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, have to be on top of their game. But specifically, Roquan, obviously being the rookie out there, doesn't play like it. But he needs to be, you know, just knowing where his assignments are, where, you know, each running back is at, where his assignment is on every play. But it's going to be a lot on these inside linebackers to, you know, predict who's going to be the winner in this game. But I think Roquan Smith, if he has a good game, is able to take care of his assignments, the Bears are going to be in good shape. But I have a lot of confidence in Roquan Smith, especially how he's played this season. I know we haven't talked about Roquan too much, but I do want to bring up a point that Offenses like the Eagles have are reasons why we drafted a Roquan Smith. They have that sideline-to-sideline rangy linebacker to shut them down because they like to stretch the defenses horizontally and vertically. And I believe this these are the type of games that we brought Roquan in for. So for him, I agree 100%. 
obvious X factor, which leaves me with not too much. Uh, you guys took option A and option B for me. I'm not going to say which one is which. I don't want to show all my cards today. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and go with Eddie Jackson. Uh, whether he plays or not, I think that's going to be an X factor in itself. With him being limited, uh, it's trending upwards, and I think that's a good sign for Sunday. But if he plays or doesn't play, uh, that's going to impact this game. But if he's out there, and again, they don't throw it deep often, but when they do, especially lately to Alshon Jeffrey, it's been effective. And even sometimes on Nelson Aguilar. So for Jackson to be that center fielder, to make sure there's nothing easy over the top, keep everything in front of him, for me is going to be a big X factor this week because if, say, an Aguilar gets behind the defense or even an Alshon Jeffrey in a one-on-one, that's not a good, a good recipe for the Bears' success because Nick Foles does have um, some good deep ball accuracy to these guys. So even though in the intermediate range I've seen him sail a few, when he's laying out some of these bombs, they're very close with Alshon Jeffrey uh, consistently. So for me, Eddie Jackson, center fielder, is going to be my X factor. All right, we've officially reached the midway point of the show, and as I promised, it's time to announce our winner of the New Year giveaway. So the winner, who is getting some gear, and starting 2019 with a bang is username DanWDC. So congratulations, DanWDC, on winning that random draw. Please send me an email at chicagoaudible at gmail.com to claim your prize. And as always, everyone who entered this giveaway will be included in our next next time we reach another milestone. So don't worry. You're always still in the running from this point forward. So I really do appreciate everyone who did enter and everyone who took their time to review our show. It really does mean a lot. It helps us, especially after the name change, kind of rebound a little bit to get our become our as visible as we once were because we did lose a little bit. So people helping us out um, does mean a lot to all of us. And now, real quick, before we officially turn our attention over to the Bears' offense and Mitchell Trubisky's first playoff start, I need to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Getting, getting tickets online can just be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being at a Chicago Bears game in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I thoroughly enjoy personally how SeatGeek allows you to sort tickets by value, and you can even set a maximum budget price. When you when you combine those two features, you're instantly able to see the best seats that fit your budget. That way you know you're getting the best seat in the house for a price that you're willing to pay. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever because by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on the value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. So make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source from everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And actually, all of us here at the Chicago Audible, real quick, we do have the SeatGeek app on our phones, our devices, and by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. Um, We've used it in the past to go to Bears games, concerts, um, even some other things as well throughout the years. Uh, SeatGeek's been a loyal sponsor for us, and I've been loving using their service as well. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Alrighty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm accompanied by my all-pro co-hosts, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. We are previewing the Bears wildcard game against the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's time for us to talk about Chicago's offense. They'll be going up against an Eagles defense that finished 22nd in yards and 12th in points allowed. And let's go ahead and begin by taking a look at our second-year quarterback who is set to make his first playoff start on Sunday. Mitchell Trubisky has been playing very efficient since the Rams game a few weeks back, and he's been money on third down, and he's played, for the most part, mistake-free football. 
Now, things, of course, are going to get elevated a notch here on Sunday with it being the playoffs. And Trubisky is a man who has admitted to getting a little bit too worked up with his nerves from time to time in some big games. So I'm curious, guys, what do you anticipate being the biggest hurdle for Mitch in his first playoff start? Because I think it's exactly what I just said, the battle between him and his own nerves. Nick, how about you? What do you think is going to be the biggest challenge? I mean, that's definitely a factor, but you also got to look at this Eagles defense and what the problem that they present. They have a pretty good pass rush. So I think that um, obviously when you have a young computer, any quarterback in the league and get, you know, pressure in their face, it's the decision making that comes afterwards, whether or not you're causing turnovers or just throwing the ball away effectively, whatever it may be. It's going to be the, I think the pressure that the Eagles present, they did tie for uh, eighth and sacks with 44. So it's a team that can get after the quarterback. So I think that's going to be the biggest issue for Mitch Trubisky in this game at home where it's going to be obviously prime time, first playoff game. How do you handle that? But I think the pressure is something that he needs to be able to deal with, to deal with effectively, for the Bears to have a chance to win and have success on offense. Yeah, over the last three weeks, they're only holding quarterbacks to 5.8 yards per throw and a pass rating only 79.8. And a lot of it is due to that pass rush. They're going to get after Trubisky. So for him to, you know, on top of that, to buy time, which we know he can, we know he can do it well. Um, to me, it's going to be a big key because if he can buy time, move around in the pocket or escape and move out of it as well, I think once he does that, this is a secondary that he can exploit and find some holes against with some of the Bears playmakers. So his ability to evade this pressure that may be coming, and I say may because we'll talk about the Bears offensive line and what they've been able to do in a little bit as well, um, it's just going to be a great way for him to put himself in a position to succeed because this is a secondary that I don't think can really hold up with the Bears playmakers for more than you know a few seconds. So pass rush is going to be huge for the Eagles, and I I get that, but Mitch, he knows how to you know move away from this pressure, and when he does, he's often found success. So I don't really see much different going this week if the same kind of pattern holds true. How about you, Brandon? Can I combine your guys' two answers there? Because, <laughs> I mean, if you get nervous and there's pressure on you, I mean, I, I personally would get more nervous too. So I think it's really going to come down to early execution if that's going to be able to settle him down because that, that plays a big part in any quarterback's confidence, uh, especially in a playoff game where, where a lot of things are on the line. So I think that if he can hit a few couple passes early, be able to, to move the offense along, continue to be aggressive but not try and force anything, I think ball security is going to be a really big thing for him in this one, especially with the pass rush coming. Uh, I think it's really just limiting the mistakes, not necessarily being conservative in the way he plays, but just finding a way to execute, get these small victories, uh, and be able to build off of it throughout the rest of the game. Because like we've already talked about a little bit already, this equal defense is pretty tough. And just a testament to Mitch as well. And I know this is a team effort and a team sport. And, you know, this season has been a lot of fun. But for him to go from only 13, you know, collegiate starts to only 12 last year as well to have his first full season now in the playoffs. I mean, that's a great, you know, a couple of years for him to go from where he was at North Carolina to all the development we've seen as well. So I'm excited to see how he steps up in this, you know, kind of situation. This is going to be probably, if not the biggest game of his career to date at any level. So for me, I'm very excited to see what kind of uh, Mitch we get to see. But let's go ahead and take a look at some of these matchups through the year. Uh, Mitch, he's been able to spread the wealth. Uh, last week, he found success despite playing with some guys that he doesn't really get to work with too often, like a Javon Wims and a Kevin White. And the good news is, for us at least, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and Anthony Miller, they've all returned to practice this week despite each suffering an injury over either last week or the one prior. And the Eagles did finish with the third most passing yards allowed per game at 269. Um, since week 10, they've allowed three wide receivers to top 100 yards on them. So, fellas, what are going to be some of the matchups that pique your interest for the Bears' offense? I think that's how I want to phrase it this week. And let's go to Brandon first. 
I'm looking at Taylor Gabriel because we've seen what he did against the Vikings. He had that 40-something, uh, 42-yard reception that almost got into the end zone. And a lot of these cornerbacks are, are young for Philadelphia. They're good, uh, but they're young. And when Taylor Gabriel, who, might I add, uh, bumps up the quarterback grade whenever quarterbacks throw to him. I haven't said that in a while, so I had to plug that in there. But uh, when, when, you know, when he's an experienced guy against these younger cornerbacks i think his speed and his uh, efficient route running are really going to be able to allow him to get open and help mitch be able to get the ball in his direction and taylor gabriel can then go make the catch as we've seen him do before in the past so uh taylor gabriel whether it's up against uh our good friend crave on the block out of the slot or sewell douglas or Sidney jones or avante maddox whoever they have out there uh, i really like his his speed and his ability and his experience over some of these other younger cornerbacks as well. Even though a lot of them uh, were with the Eagles last year and already have that playoff and Super Bowl experience, I still think that Taylor Gabriel holds a, a good uh, psychological and physical matchup for them as well. Yeah, and Gabriel has his playoff experience as well. So for him to be uh, one of those Bears veterans on offense that does have it, again, I can see Mitch really relying on him due to that because he can rise to the occasion. He knows how uh, the game's going to elevate here in this situation. And you mentioned Craven LeBlanc, and I swear it would be a very missed opportunity if uh, Vic Fangio did not walk over to Matt Nagy's offense this week and kind of slip him a cheat sheet. Like, this is how you can attack Craven and exploit him because he's known him very you know, uh, very well over his time here in Chicago. So for Craven, um, hopefully Vic was in a, you know, Matt's ear about this because, I, but, and again, I don't think Nagy needs the help, but I'm sure he'd be open to it, receptive to it. And again, Fangio would be the perfect guy to tell you exactly how you can beat Craven, what his weaknesses are. But how about you, Nick? So there's a lot of, like Brandon says, a lot of young guys in the secondary, but there's also a veteran in there. And a guy that I think that Matt Nagy is definitely going to target in this one, that's Corey Graham. He's playing free safety for the Eagles. I don't know when he made that change, but he definitely didn't do that in Chicago. And you could see him. He's not very comfortable there. That's not his natural position. There's a lot of space to work with, and he's supposed to be the guy roaming around making plays. Well, that hasn't been the case for Corey Graham. You can go back to the Houston game where they're able to target uh, one of the Texas wide receivers running deep nowhere near them to make a play. Then you go back to even a couple of weeks before that, there was Dallas. A huge play goes to Amari Cooper. Corey Graham, nowhere near to make the place. I don't think he has the instincts to play that position, but he's kind of being forced to because of all the injuries that have happened to the Eagles secondary. So this is a guy that I think can be targeted. Matt Nagy's going to test him early, send Taylor Gabriel deep and have uh, Anthony Miller run a deep post, see which one he actually covers, see where the blown coverage is going to be at. So Corey Graham, Yes, he's a veteran. Yes, he's done some good things for the Bears and, you know, just throughout his NFL career, but he's not playing at the position that he was drafted at. He's, he's a DB. You don't know what. I mean, he's supposed to be playing maybe a nickel cornerback, not free safety, where there's a lot of responsibility. One hiccup, one miss up can just be a huge play for the Bears offense, and they love to throw the ball deep. So that's the that's the person that I think Matt Nagy is going to target in this one. And if he can't play his position right, big plays are going to happen for this Bears offense. Yeah, and speaking of testing them deep, I would definitely do that with a guy like an Allen Robinson who we know can go up there and get some of those 50-50 balls down the field. And I would test him against uh, one of their outside corners, uh, Rasul Douglas. Uh, he averages over 12 yards a catch against him. And on top of that, even with some safety help, Nick, you mentioned with uh, with Graham and his you know lack of experience at the position, how it's not a natural fit. And that shows because both safeties, uh, they allow receptions and over 70% of the balls thrown their way. And on top of that, Douglas, he allows the most yards after the catch on the team. So putting 
on top of that, I, t- I talked about on Robinson, but even if you move to a, let's say, a Taylor Gabriel, putting a speedy, shiftier guy on him to make him miss, maybe another matchup that I would like to exploit. Because again, you're not going to just have some static matchups. Matt Nagy's is going to move him all game long. That would be one that I would like to see from time to time as well, because he has more than a handful of missed tackles on the year. And guys like uh, Anthony Miller, guys like a Taylor Gabriel, does a really good job of making people miss after the catch. Now, guys, we need to talk about Tariq Cohen here, too, because the Eagles, uh, they don't do a good job of containing running backs coming out of the backfield. And just over like the last month of the season, they allow guys like Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott to have some really good days receiving on them. Gurley had, I think, 10 catches, 76 yards. Elliott had 12 for 70. And Cohen, who he's someone... We know has the potential, but he's been kind of missing in action over the last couple of weeks. And I talked about it in the last postgame show. Maybe they're kind of saving him for the playoffs. But now's the time to get Tariq Cohen, your X-Factor, back involved as a receiver, as a pass catcher. Nick, what do you expect from Cohen this week against that Eagles defense? I mean, it all will depend on what Matt Nagy brings to the table. But like you said, he hasn't been as utilized as he has been earlier in the season. But I think for Matt Nagy, he's bringing out everything. Everything's an option, and I'm pretty sure Tariq Cohen's going to be definitely heavily involved. Like you said, the Eagles have not been the best at covering receiving backs. And Tariq Cohen, this is a perfect opportunity. Test one of these young DBs, one of these linebackers that, you know, I would say are better tacklers or inside linebackers than they are coverage guys. So it's a perfect opportunity for them to take advantage of that. And I think this is a game where Tariq Cohen can really get going. All right, I have one more note, but Brandon, I want to go to you first. Do you have any other matchups or anything else with any of the Bears' weapons or the Eagles' secondary that you want to kind of bring up? I hope that the new number 17, Anthony Miller, shows up the old 17 in Alshon Jeffrey. Because I've seen a stat today that uh, Anthony Miller has more touchdowns than Alshon does this year, which I thought was really funny. So hopefully Anthony Miller gets in there and kind of rubs it in a little bit, but that's just a little personal vendetta there. Hey, I mean, I'm sure he would love to do that. I believe soon after he was drafted, he had a tweet along the lines like Alshon had his legacy or something in Chicago, and I'm going to make mine. So, again, I'm sure he's going to want to live up to that. And again, he's a very uh, confident receiver is a good way to put it with a little bit of swagger behind him. So, yeah, absolutely. Let's go for it. And my last note, we haven't talked about the former Eagle, Trey Burton. He's going to have a tough matchup going up against the Eagles because Philadelphia, they're very good at limiting tight ends. Only two touchdowns to tight ends on the entire season allowed, and none of them have came after week seven. So can Burton step up against the former team to change that? Potentially. He has been a really good red zone threat for the Bears. But again, they've done a great job at limiting tight ends this season. So just want to throw that out there that if Trey Burton is not as involved as you would like come Sunday, that may be a reason as to why. All right, let's go ahead and turn our attention to the ground. And don't over and don't overlook. Don't look now, but Jordan Howard has been hitting his stride at the perfect time. Since week 13, Howard has the fifth most rushing yards at 400, third most first downs gained on the ground with 23, the fourth most rushing touchdowns with four, and the fourth most yards after contact with 274. Now, Philadelphia, they've given up the least rushing yards over their final three games, only 55 yards per game and only 3.4 yards per carry. They've actually kind of stepped up in this regard. And on top of that, they are going to present the Bears with some challenges here. But on top of that, I just want to say that the Bears, too, have been stepping up here with their run game over the last month of the season. So I'm very interested in you guys' thoughts here. What do you expect from the Bears on the ground and the ability to run on this defense? Let's go to Nick. You know, the Bears had a really good game last week, especially Jordan Howard against the Minnesota Vikings, who had a very good run defense. And even though Philadelphia, they've they've had success stopping opposing uh, rushing attacks, Jordan Howard, he's really picked up his game. And that offensive line, I think getting Kyle Long really 
just bumped up the the energy that that group has. Harry Heistad now has his complete group. He has his starting five out there, and they're really uh, just when Long was out there for the you know I I don't know how many snaps it was against the the Minnesota Vikings, but they look good. They were able to create holes, move people out of the way, and allow Jordan Howard, Terry Cohen do their thing. So even though the Philadelphia Eagles are coming into this matchup uh, having you know had success against uh, opposing rushing attacks, I think the Bears are going to find a way to get Jordan Howard involved early in this one, especially so they can develop that play-action game later in the game, especially with they having young secondary players. That's exactly what that's the perfect recipe for success against this Eagles secondary. So I'm thinking that Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen are going to have a pretty good day, even though you have Fletcher Cox and you have Michael Bennett, some really good uh, defenders on you know the Eagles front seven. I just feel like the Bears uh, offensive line is going to really do their job in this one. What about you, B? I, I have similar thoughts, but at the same time, the running game has been inconsistent throughout the majority of the, the 16 games that we've seen. So I don't want to be you know too hooked on, on one good performance, but I think Nick hit it right on the head that Kyle Long really brings the energy back to the run game uh, that they, they really needed. So I don't expect the, the same type of game, especially in a playoff atmosphere in this one, but at home that plays a big advantage. And I think a big part of the run game success is going to be a win and out of what formations that these runs are called. Uh, I think that played a big part uh, against Minnesota because in some, uh, I wouldn't say obvious passing situations, but where it could go either way, they I think they ended up running it a little bit more uh, rather than passing, which was a, a trend that Matt Nagy did earlier in the year where he was a little more pass happy. So now I think that teams have, you know, they kind of went, oh, Matt Nagy's a little more pass happy. Now he's established, you know, hey, we can run the ball in these certain situations too. So I think a big part of when and out of what formations they run is really going to determine a lot of the success. Yeah, and when the Bears succeed and when they run, if they can do what they did against Minnesota and succeed on the early downs to really put Mitch and the rest of the offense in a favorable spot, it's going to go a long way because even though the Eagles' defense has been playing very well over the last month, um, if the Bears can find a way to establish a run and make these third downs manageable, it's going to go a long way for Mitch and make his job a little bit easier because if he's asked to throw on third, seven, third, eight plus, our chances of succeeding on third downs really going to drastically go down. Not saying Mitch can't make the throws because he's been very consistent on third down over the last three weeks. But in order for the Bears to really put themselves uh, best foot forward, best position to succeed, uh, finding a way to get Jordan Howard, getting, getting the offense positive yards on first and second down, first or second down, will be a great way to do just that. Now, taking a look at the matchups at the line of scrimmage, the Eagles defense have done a good job at getting after the quarterback um, on top and on top of that, stopping the run as of late. Philadelphia has a very good unit, and our guest on Tuesday said that the line is the unit that the defense lives and dies by, which I think, Brandon, you would say that is true for every single team in the league. But I just want to take on top of that, looking at the Eagles here, they get pressure on 17.8% of dropbacks on the year, and they have hit quarterbacks on a higher percent as well at 125 so what matchups, and Brandon, i got to go to you here, are you going to be paying attention to that are the difference between the Bears succeeding and not? I think this is the, the Eagles' defensive line versus the Bears' offensive line is really where the game's going to be hung in the balance because we've seen, you know, like you said, how many times the Eagles can get after the quarterback. And looking at guys like Fletcher Cox against the rookie James Daniels, who held his own, you know, against Aaron Donald uh, a handful of weeks ago, uh, but, you know, had a little bit of help from Cody Whiter. So I think that's one matchup that you certainly got to look at. Uh, and then on the other side, too, you have uh, Michael Bennett on the opposite end uh, going up against Bobby Massey. And that that's also a key matchup to watch for. I mean, we haven't heard much of Bobby Massey, which is an absolutely terrific thing. Uh, if you ask me, because if you're not hearing from your offensive linemen, they're doing really good. 
We're doing really bad. And Bobby Massey, we haven't hardly heard about him, heard from him at all, which I think is great for him, especially the way he started his Bears career. I think that's a good uh, good sign for him. So, yeah, I mean, the Eagles, they have 44 sacks on the year, and I'm really looking at what Fletcher Cox is going to do against uh, James Daniels and Cody Whitehair and also Michael Bennett. I know that he wasn't necessarily at practice today for the Eagles, but that doesn't uh, hinder my thoughts as far as what he could do if he goes out there. And also, just to mention real quick, Chris Long, uh, Kyle's brother, also has six and a half sacks on the year. So that's another guy that you got to watch out for coming off the end. Yeah, and you talked about Cox. He's going to present the entire Bears interior line with some fists because he goes from side to side. He's not a guy who lines up on one side. When I was looking at his pressures this year, he is second amongst all defensive tackles right behind Aaron Donald with 106. And it's actually split rather evenly between lining up on the left or the right side. So it's going to be Daniels. It's going to be White here and Kyle Long uh, to find a way to uh, limit Fletcher Cox because if he's able to single-handedly destroy some pass plays or take down the run, the Bears offense is going to have a very hard time to get going because there's more players to worry about than just Fletcher Cox. So finding a way to uh, hold him as best as possible will definitely be crucial. It's a good call there. But how about you, Nick? You know, I mean, you guys mentioned uh, Michael Bennett, Cox, uh, these guys that can really disrupt uh, opposing offenses. But look, I'm looking back to just last week and how that offensive line was able to stop Minnesota's uh, defensive line, that front seven, from being a major factor in the game. Uh, coming into the game, obviously had 50 sacks and it was 50 sacks the Bears didn't allow a sack against the Minnesota Vikings front seven and then they have they're going to be challenged again obviously they're going to be challenged again with the the amount of players that they have and the productivity that they've been able to have this season but I'm just looking at I think let's see how Kyle Long does now against Michael Bennett being his second game back from injury um, obviously he did some good things but now let's see if he can sustain that for an entirety of a game because that's going to be crucial if the Bears are going to have success but I think he's he's up for it. This is a guy who's never played in a playoff game. He's going to be amped up, ready to go, going to be putting that extra effort, and he deserves it. So that's just one of the matches I'm looking for. You know Long is going to be lined up against his brother. Let's see how that matchup goes. So there's some really interesting matchups, one that can, you know, obviously if one goes one way, one goes the other way, could, you know, turn the tides into how this game goes. But I'm confident in this, this front five for the Bears. They have their core group, their best group that they have all, all season. And now it's a playoff game against a very talented front seven. It's going to be what, like you said, Brandon, the games are won and lost in trenches, but I just like what the bears have up front going against this talented group for the Eagles. Yeah, they've been able to, like you said, uh, the Vikings are a perfect example because they led the NFL coming into last week. They finished type of third with us at 50, but they entered week 17, leading the NFL with those 50 sacks, and they didn't get much of anything on Mitch. So for the Bears offensive line to be able to do that, and even in the first matchup against the Vikings, same thing. And then the Rams as well is another good example of the Bears offensive line finding ways to limit good defensive fronts. And one more matchup that we need to discuss, it would be an oversight if we didn't, Brandon Graham versus Charles Leno Jr. Because Graham has the full, fourth most pressures of all edge players this season with 70. Uh, for those keeping score at home, that is one more than Khalil Mack this year. So don't let his five sacks fool you, even though he doesn't get a bunch of hits. Um, he is disruptive. He forces quarterbacks to throw it away early, forces them off their spot. So Brandon Graham, Charles Leno Jr., Trubisky's blind side is going to be a big matchup as well up front for the Bears offensive line. Brandon, anything else you want to mention about this unit? Uh, yeah, Tim Jernigan, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Again, he's not one who's up there statistically with sacks, but he's just a bigger, uh, more athletic uh, defensive tackle that's going to be able to help shut down the run if they want to try and run up the middle. And also their backup, uh, who also hasn't gotten a whole lot of playing time, just someone else to keep in mind in case he does come in. Uh, Nagata, who we've seen with the uh, with the Lions last year, uh, he's also another big-body guy who's going to be able to come in and put, 
potentially goal line situations to be able to stuff things up the middle. So uh, it's not necessarily going to be easy in the run game either. There are some some bigger bodies up there as well. All right. Anything else, Nick, in your nose, either Bears offense or Eagles defense that we need to bring up? No, I don't have anything, surprisingly. Wow. How about you, B? Yeah. Uh, no, we uh, we cleaned my slate. Nice. Well, I have to do third down in red zone or else I would be doing myself a disservice because I need to read it, so I know at least. So pay attention if you want to know about third down and red zone here. Uh, third down, the Eagles are atop of the NFL over the th- final three weeks on third down with their defense. Um, I will say that skewed a little bit because they didn't allow one third down conversion against Washington, um, but still very good. Uh, the Bears have been putting themselves, like I mentioned, in favorable third downs. Mitch has been making the throws. So let's see if that can continue. Uh, they did a good job against Minnesota last week, which is right on top of the league um, as well in terms of third down defenses. And something to pay attention to, the Bears, and we've known this, we talked about it, um, in terms of third and short, they haven't been really good in those situations for some reason. They're actually worse in the NFL in third and short, only converting those about 50% of the time for the entire year. It's gotten better over the last month, but just letting you know that for the year, it wasn't that good. And that goes back to Nagy getting a little bit too cute at times. So making sure that you don't do that would be a good key here um, in a do-or-die playoff situation. And then in the red zone, the Eagles have the NFL's best red zone defense. The Bears have the third best red zone offense over the final three. And they've on top of that, they always seem to elevate the red zone play at home uh, in the red zone this season. So let's see if that can continue this Sunday. So that's what I have for those kind of areas of the game. So moving on to the edge here. And yes, Brandon, I'm still going to go out of order this week for you. <laughs> You're up first. I'm going to keep the same order as last time, though. Bears pass pro versus the Eagles pass rush. I'm going to just run to the Bears pass pro. They've just been playing so well. And I was really worried last week against Minnesota, the, the team that led the league in sacks with 50, and they finished the game uh, tied for first with 50 sacks, like you mentioned earlier. This Bears offensive line is cooking. I think they're really up for the challenge, especially in a playoff environment. I think they want to protect Mitch as best they can because I know that he's probably going to be a little nervous. Uh, so I'm giving this one to the Bears offensive line. All right. And, Nick, over to you, Bears pass attack versus that young Eagles secondary. You, you said it right there. The young Eagles secondary, I'm definitely going to go with the Bears passing attack because of that factor right there. there Matt Nagy is going to test these guys. And the game that kind of just goes back to goes back in my mind is what they did at the Tampa Bay with the young secondary. They just torched it. Yes, you have some uh, veterans in the back end with Jenkins and then Corey Graham, but we just talked about Corey Graham, a guy that's playing out of position. Jenkins, he's playing he's playing all right. He's playing uh, you know what he usually does throughout his career, but I just like what Matt Nagy's going to bring creatively to get guys open like he's done all season long. So I have to give it to the Bears passing attack. All right, and I have myself a doozy. I have the Bears rushing attack versus the Eagles run defense. Honestly, um, this one can go either way on Sunday, but I believe with Jordan Howard being a top five running back in the NFL since week 13 and the Bears getting Kyle Long back, which I think they said today that they're hopeful and um, he should be able to be able to play an entire game. Last week he played about half, um, kind of as a test run. He should be able to give it a go for all four quarters this week. Uh, so when you have Kyle Long out there, that just takes it up to another level. When you saw Jordan Howard's 40-yard run against a very strong front of the Vikings, Kyle Long just blew that play wide open with a great hole. That offensive line, they've been doing their job. They've been doing good uh, good work with their poles and their traps to really bust out some of these bigger games. And even when it doesn't work perfectly, Jordan Howard's been – kind of reminiscent of his former self with fighting through contact yards after the contact, either with his legs or just, you know, shredding uh, the tackle right there. So for me, even though this one's very close and the Eagles do bring a very good run defense, so did the Vikings and the bears found a way to get it done in a playoff type game. And I don't expect things to change this week. So for me, the bears do have the edge here as well. And lastly, Nick, I'm going to go to you first for your X factor for the bears offense. 
Yeah, so it's uh, going to be Mitch Trubisky, but specifically his ability to run. I'm thinking back week 16. Deshaun Watson had some success against this Eagles defense because they didn't have a spy on him. I'm wondering if they're going to have that in this game against the Bears, but I think the X factor is just Mitch being able to make these uh, opportunistic plays, get outside the pocket, whether it's passing. He's the fifth best passer. He has the fifth best passer rating when pressured, 82 Point four percent. That's according to NFL matchup. So bring the blitz. Let's see Mitch Trubisky make a play. But I think it's his ability to escape the pocket, and make plays with his legs. That's really going to be the X factor in this game. All right, Brandon, I'm going to go to you next after me because I want to make sure you don't steal <laughs> mine. I'm going to go with Jordan Howard. So hopefully that was not who you're going to go for. But I believe with Mitch in terms of uh, the nerves I talked about, because he said that when he came back from an injury with his shoulder against the Rams in prime time, like he admitted that the nerves got the best of him at some times. And I feel like the best way to combat that will be with a good run game, especially early on to take some of the pressure off of him. So for me, Jordan Howard, uh, for multiple reasons, a, if you get him going, you keep the Eagles off the field in terms of their offense. B, you can put the bears in more favorable third down situations and see, like I mentioned, you're going to make Mitch's job so much easier if you can get going and take some of the pressure off and of course whenever you have a good run game uh, like Jordan Howard has it opens up the play action like Nick's alluded to for a couple weeks now and for me that's exactly why Jordan Howard's going to be my X factor because if the Eagles find a way to shut down Jordan Howard and this game has to rest solely on Mitch's shoulders that's tough especially for a kid making his first ever playoff start so for me Jordan Howard the Bears ability to run the ball X factor for sure what about you Brandon uh, yeah, my X factor is going to be a guy, uh, a guy that's actually not going to touch the field until before the game and after the game's over, and hopefully it's a, it's in a victory. Uh, but I'm going with Matt Nagy. I mean, Trubisky, you know, he's been playing smart, efficient football, firing on all cylinders, and he's admitted. We talked about it. You know, he gets a little nervous, which I would expect out of a young quarterback. Jordan Howard, we talked about now he's fifth best, you know, back in the league since week 13. He's feeling really good after himself about himself after last week. I'm I'm sure about it. Now that they have Kyle Long, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and Anthony Miller back. I mean, the only way that the Bears self-implode is if they keep the only way that the Bears don't self-implode. Let me rephrase that. The only way the Bears self-implode is if they don't keep their foot on the gas and be aggressive throughout the whole game. And last year, uh, when Matt Nagy was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, uh, the Titans led a, a comeback against the Chiefs and one that you know they weren't really sure if it was Matt Nagy's fault for not putting up points or if it's on the defense, whatever it is. But Matt Nagy also has to overcome that as well. He's also a young head coach going into this as well. So how nervous is he going to be? Uh, I'm not really too uh, worried about him uh, being motivated and ready to go and ready to be aggressive, leave it all out there. I think he's learned. You know, He said from... Very beginning, don't make the same mistake twice. I don't think he does, but uh, that's one thing that I'm definitely uh, going to keep in mind throughout this game is, is he keeping his foot on the gas at all times? All gas, no brakes, as they say. I think that's what the kids are saying nowadays. <laughs> I'm so out of touch. Or maybe it's the kids who's wrong. I think that's a Simpsons quote. But moving forward, <laughs> uh, it was time to enter the final portion of our show, which consists of our predictions and parting thoughts. But first, we need to do a quick hit on special teams. Guys, I don't have anything besides Cody Parkey. Cody Parkey. Cody Parkey, if he misses in some crucial situations, that could be the difference between the Bears moving on to the next round and the Bears going home, packing their bags a little bit early. He's someone who's been inconsistent, to say the least, this season. So I know he's been practicing at Soldier Field this week, which, thank goodness, he's doing that. But again, I think it, that's the biggest thing to pay attention to in special teams. How about you, Nick? I mean, that is the biggest thing because the Eagles have a cap capable field goal kicker on their end. So if Cody Parkey isn't hitting his... And, you know, the Eagles are, that's going to just obviously skew their way and uh, obviously winning this game. So Cody Parkey, when his number is called upon, he needs to be able to kick those field goals because if not, 
you know, this it would be awful for this season to come to an end because Cody Parkey misses, you know, two two extra points or a field goal or something comes down to that. You don't want that to be the way this Bears 2018 season ends. So Cody Parkey, just do your thing. Hopefully the Bears put him in good positions where it's not too far of a field goal. But again, that's his job. You need to make these field goals, make these extra points, not have a stupid penalty where you kick the ball out of bounds. None of that. Just do what you need to do. You're a kicker. Don't think, I mean, obviously there's a lot of pressure, but Cody Parkey, just do your, I guess, do your thing. Don't do your thing. I don't even know. Do your thing, but better. There you go. I think that works. All right. How about you, B? Anything on special teams? Yeah, I'm more worried for the other two guys that play a bigger role. Well, not, I don't want to say bigger role. Cody Parkey puts up points, but Pat O'Donnell and, and three Cohen can as well. But uh, Pat O'Donnell needs to be able to execute, uh, flip the field when he's called upon to do so. Now is not the time. We haven't seen him shank a punt really all year long. Don't start now. Uh, and also get out of the way of the ref. Uh, I know you're trying to be a spotter for Tariq Cohen last week, but get out of the way of the ref. We don't need any of those other 15-yard uh, penalties that back us up. Uh, and also Tariq Cohen, if things aren't going as planned and he's trying to make a play, that's sometimes where we see him try to do too much on special teams. So he's got to be able to keep his head uh, whereabouts with him as well. So uh, just play fundamentally on, on special teams. That falls on everybody. Uh, but I'm going to put a little bit more pressure on Pat O'Donnell and Tariq Cohen since no one else did it. All right. All works for me. As long as they can avoid one of those, uh, you know, Adam Hogue hashtag bear special teams plays, that'd be fine. <laughs> yes. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump right into our bold predictions. And with it being the playoffs, I'm expecting each of us to take these to the next level. So, Brandon, no pressure. Over to you. Bold prediction. Bold prediction. The Eagles have a negative six turnover ratio on the year. And I think the Bears match that number and force the Eagles into six turnovers in this game. All right. Oh, wow. You took it to the next level. I love it. <laughs> How about you, Nick? I'm definitely not that bold in this prediction, but I was just looking at how the Eagles played Deshaun Watson, his running ability, and I mentioned it as my X Factor. I think Mitch Trubisky gets a career high in rushing with 100 yards, gets a touchdown, and is able to just torch this Eagles defense on the ground. Deshaun Watson, just for perspective, uh, ran for 49 yards, two touchdowns against the Eagles in Week 16. I think he can definitely increase those numbers yards-wise and have a touchdown uh, by the end of the game. Does he slide? I need to know. He does slide when he needs to slide, but I think you could expect to see one of those bigger type of runs where, of course, he just goes out of bounds, not hit, nothing that's like the 49ers or anything like that or the the Minnesota Vikings. So he's going to be good. All right. My bold prediction is on defense. I have two defensive touchdowns this week, a Sherrick McManus pick six and an Akeem Hicks fumble recovery for a touchdown. Akeem, after getting one on offense, realizes just how much he loves the end zone and wants to find a way to get in there himself on defense. Just to look at Matt Nagy and go, now put me back at fullback coach because I want to do it. (laughs) All right, guys, MVB time. Nick, I'm going to go over to you first. Who's going to be the MVB when it's all said and done? Look, I think we know what the Bears defense can do, so it can be a a number of guys in that one. But if the Bears want to win, move on to the second round, I think it's going to all fall on Mitch Trubisky. And what he's able to do, especially decision-making-wise, he can't have turnovers. He needs to be smart and efficient with the football. Just take what the defense is giving him, not give the defense for the Eagles any advantages, but just play smart football. Obviously, his first playoff game ever, second year, and he's going to be playing at home with that sport. I think that Mitch Trubisky just has to have a clean game, and that's why I think he is going to be the MVP of this game because he's going to have one of those. Just be smart with the football and give his team the best chance to win. And Brandon, how about you? I'm going to give mine to Adrian Amos because he's had a very quiet yet the best year of his 
career as a pro. Uh, so I'm going to give him a little bit of love here. I think he's going to make some noise uh, coming up because uh, we know how he, he's a much better player uh, going against the grain, coming towards the offense rather than backpedaling, being that free safety. I think he takes uh, some pretty good shots to Zach Ertz and hopefully one to Alshon Jeffrey as well, uh, just with all the smack he's talking. I, mean, I see him get laid out once, but I think he, he makes a very big impact on this on this game as well. All right. For me, guys, I'm going to go defense. I'm going Khalil Mack. You know, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time situations, and I'm sure he's a little bit miffed about his lack of productivity in his last playoff game with the Raiders, but now he's here with the Bears. He knows the talent on this team on both sides of the ball, the potential that it all brings, and I think he's just hungry for some playoff success, and I believe that he's going to show out in all facets of this game. I don't think it's going to be like what we saw week one against Aaron Rodgers, but I would not be surprised if you saw a couple of plays kind of reminiscent to that where you just single-handedly can kind of alter the course of this game because, uh, again, he's uh, someone who's been in contention for Defensive Player of the Year, especially earlier on in this season, and I believe that this is a week where he's going to show why he wanted, well, why he's in Chicago and why he wants to be here for a long time because of the defense around him. He's going to kind of step up here now that the playoffs are, well, they're upon us. All right, so now for the moment we've all been waiting for. It's time to hand out our game picks. And just to recap the standings, Brandon, you finished a regular season on top at 13-3. and Nick, you fell last week as you didn't get your pick in, so we chose the Vikings for you. You are now tied with me <laughs> at 12-4. and So to make these a little bit more enticing, and I don't think it's going to matter, I decided to make the playoff games worth double for what that's worth, even Ooh. though I doubt any of us are going to go against our favorite team here once we reach the playoffs. But Brandon, you're on top, so you get to go first. I get to go first, huh? I think that the Bears come out and set the tone early on offense and defense. I think they get some points up on the board, put some pressure on in the first quarter, and they don't look back. I have the Bears winning this one 27-18. All right, I like that a lot. Nick, since you are the one who fell to second place, tied with <laughs> me, uh, now that I'm not alone, thank you for giving me some company down here in the standings, by the way. I appreciate it. It's been quite some time. I want you to go ahead and follow that up. Yeah, I should have just put in my pick. I completely forgot I'd be in first. But uh, so I think the Bears are just going to come out. Even though you said it's double points, you know, for choosing the other team, I can't do that. I think the Bears are just a better team overall. Even though the Eagles have the experience, obviously, Super Bowl, reigning Super Bowl champions, completely different year. The Bears were a better team in 2018 than the Eagles were. And playoffs is a completely different game. But the Bears are going to come out and dominate from beginning to end. 27 to 14 bears. I think you're going to see a lot of cool things in this game though. Two point conversions, creative play calling, just a bunch of different things because they're similar teams. They really are, but the bears are just a better one right now. So they went 27 to 14. All right. Which brings it to me easy guys. I'm going bears 24, 21. I haven't gone against them all season long. Why would I do it now? I, I just can't do this myself. It's been working uh, rather well. I'm happy with my 12 and four record doing so. Uh, so for me, easy enough bears, I don't need to put another spin on it. It's just pretty straightforward at this point. I think our whole show has kind of led to us all picking the Bears with all the edges that we kind of handed out. So easy, 24-21. It's going to be close, um, but the Bears on top. And, yeah, that is 24-21. That is Cody Parkey being the difference between a, uh, a Bears win or a Bears loss. So, yeah, 24-21. Don't Let's cringe go. too hard, Nick. <laughs> what did you say? I said don't cringe too hard, Nick. Was he cringing down there? I was. Yeah. It was a hard cringe. <laughs> Was it like the Michael Scott gif? GIF? Oh, yeah. Well, not, not, I mean, that's a very, uh, I don't know, very specific, very hard, hard cringe. It was, uh, it was along those lines. It was getting up there. I, I had to know. I was not looking, but appreciate the visual, guys. Let's go ahead and wrap things up, though. And uh, we have to do that by sharing our confidence meter here for our first playoff game in almost a decade and our final thoughts before we kind of sign off. So, Brandon, you're up first. 
Yeah, I'm going to give the conference meter on this one uh, about an eight, eight and a half. Uh, I just don't, I just don't like what Philadelphia's done throughout the entire of the year. Just been inconsistent. Some of that is due to injury, but I think the Bears are just a much more talented team on this one. Uh, they only have one loss at home on the year, and it was, you know, almost came back in that one. We were a yard short. Uh, on a Hail Mary pass to the Patriots, I'll take that loss. So I, I think that this just plays so much more in the Bears' favor uh, to win this game than Philadelphia, especially with their backup quarterback. Even though he's he's won a Super Bowl, I'll, I'll give him that. You know, I just don't think that uh, he's the guy to get it done in Soldier Field. So I have, uh, you know, I have my confidence meter pretty high on this one. All right, Nick. Yeah, see, the Bears are just a completely different team at home, and that's where they're going to be in this one. Soldier Field, 7-1. and one. I think the Bears are just going to take care of business. So it's confidence meter. I'm going to have to give it a 9. I don't see the Bears I don't see the Bears season ending after Sunday. I really don't. It's going to continue. They'll go on to the second round and, you know, face whoever. But it's. I think it's uh, – I, I just don't see it ending. It's, it's to be too soon. One, 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 get into the playoffs and then be done. Against the Eagles team, like you said, has been inconsistent, has dealt with injuries. I think the Bears will move on. See, a little bit, well, right before we went live, Nick, Brandon, and myself had a little bit of a discussion <laughs> about how playoff seeding works, and we were kind of trying to let Nick know that if the Bears win, uh, they go to L.A. next as the seeding works. So I'm hoping. So they go to L.A. I, I'm, I'm 99% sure. I'll check it after the show, and if I'm wrong, I'll give you one of my points um, for the two points when the Bears win. So then he can tie Brandon up. I like that. All right. But it won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> So my confidence meter, Brandon, you said you're at eight, eight and a half. Nick, you said you're at nine. So I'm going to kind of split the difference and do an 8.75 because uh, I'm somewhere in that range as well. For the reasons are as followed, a home field advantage. Like we said, only one loss have came at Soldier Field. And it was like Nick, uh, Brandon said, only by one yard. Uh, the Bears as well, they've been playing with the right attitude. We saw it last week against the Vikings. Uh, taking care of the task at hand, taking care of the opponent in front of you. Uh, so for me, with that attitude, it's just going to continue this week. And for those curious about Vic Fangio and if he's going to be focusing at this new, you know, the head coaching vacancies and some job interviews, he says he's done zero work for any of these. And I do believe that all of his focus is on this game. It's Vic. He's going to tell you how it is. He's very straightforward, and I trust him when he's putting all of his effort towards this week. And on top of that, the Bears last week in Minnesota in a very hostile environment on the road proved that they can handle and win in a very playoff-esque game. The defense is going to keep a minute. This is on t- and the last thing here. This is exactly Sunday's game. is exactly one year to the day where Matt Nagy's Chiefs laid that goose egg in the second half, and he took all the scrutiny, all the criticism for that game and came here to Chicago, and he said he's going to learn from that. And he's someone who, since he's been here for about a year now, has been very adamant it's okay to make a mistake, but just don't make it twice. So head coach Matt Nagy is going to adhere to his own mantra there, come out guns a-blazing on Sunday, not take a, um, his foot off the gas no matter what the score is at any situation in this game. So for me, the Bears should be able to find a way to get this thing done here on Sunday, move on to the next round, and from there, let's see how interesting it gets. But if they look too far ahead, they could find themselves on the wrong side of things. So just take it one week at a time. But that just about does it. Guys, I need to know. We just officially completed our first ever playoff preview. And let me just quote Matt Nagy after Bears win and say, man, that feels good, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, we still have plenty more content coming your way before Sunday. Next up is going to be our five matchups to watch and three keys that will lead the way to a Bears playoff victory, and that's going to be followed up by another round of the Automobile Mag. So make sure to call us with your playoff question at 872-240-4007 with your questions. We look forward to answering those here later on in the week. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. 
Hey, hey, hey.